marketplace uh, missionary. Uh, so far, we have about 1,000 students registered with the Biblical Theological Seminary. It's the first, I suppose, in the world to initiate something like this, where we're actually having, yes, uh, for about 10 some years, uh, we've been trying to do BAM, that's business as a mission, but that was like uh, sporadically different churches doing their own things, which is very commendable and we should be doing it, but this time we just felt there's special need to join the forces with the people who are so in love with God and want to make changes into the world, and we're collaborating with the Biblical Theological Seminary and we're going to give the certificate uh, called the Marketplace Missionary. And with using that certificate, the church can um, commission and ordain the people so they can go out and live out godly ways in a workplace and make things happen. To change, the whole purpose is to change the atmosphere of our society because society without God is just going every direction. We, got, we, got, we can't control our society. And uh, we need to be able to bring back uh, godly ways in our society. Thinking about going to Korea, every time I go to Korea, when I pe- meet new people, they always want to know how to address me. Because I'm a pastor. I'm also president of the company. So they want to figure out, should I call you Hezangnim, which is a president? Uh, so they want to know they're called pastor or or, or maybe in the future will be missionary, whatever. They always, they need to know because in Korean culture, guys, you have to call them by title. You know, if you call anything else, it's like insulting. You know, it's just, it's, I think it's one of the very unique country where title seems to be a very, very important. Which reminds me, what is God's title? Ever thought about that? Doesn't God deserves a title? Well, even in America, we, we, have, we give special titles to people like judges. We call them the honorable. Rosario. <laughs> we call the pastors the reverend gains. And we give these titles to, to, to the people. Oh, what's God's title? I mean, it's not kind of insulting just to call God you, God, God. And so shouldn't they be like honorable God or the reverend God? Shouldn't they be something like that? I looked around, it wasn't a whole lot, but there is one in in the Old Testament. It's very pretty clear, or or New Testament. I guess the one that comes closer to is the Father God. So the, the title is the Father, Father God. Or we could be even more creative, say, the creator God or the provider God. In Old Testament, we didn't have titles. The only titles we had was like mom, dad. Well, they didn't have a mom and dad. They had a mother and father. The more official names are the titles we used to give to our people around us. Maybe uncle. And then we went as far as saying like prophets and teachers. For example, Abraham was like father of, of all. He didn't have a title. He wasn't Mr. Abraham or Reverend Abraham. He was Abraham. But what was important during those days, even today, is the meaning that is in the name is more important. That's what it mattered. Like American Indians, as you know, it's in the meaning of their names. 
you know, like, they have some fancy names, like Scattered Cloud, you know, this name's Crazy Horse, Standing Bear, you know, Red Clouds, Lives in the Woods. These are actual names. He laughs and he fights. These are the names of the people. And that's how they refer to the meaning of the name. I just came back from Mayans. That's Mexico or Mayan civilization. For the first time in many years, Janice and I decided to take a little break and, uh, in order to uh, really work on this marketplace missionary. We actually met up with uh, the pastor all in Mexico to, to really engage and to talk about how we're going to go move forward uh, with this because it's, it's starting in a couple of weeks. And Mayans are kind of pretty interesting too. And I thought Mayan civilization was like any other Native American Indians, just nice people. You know, they just want to live in nature, you know. And they built these humongous pyramid-like places. I thought, wow, that's amazing. That's like the pyramids. Wow, that's amazing. But when I found out what they did with these pyramids, oh my goodness, they were bad news. They are like really crude people. They worship God, and in order to worship God, and the water was so scarce in that part of Mexico, the worship they did, the rituals they did is to, I don't know if there's any uh, young kids here, they actually would just harvest hearts of people and take it out in front of entire their people and, and, and lift it up to, uh, to God. They, they killed in you know, order to harvest people. Now, this isn't talking about sheep or, or, or goats. We're talking about actual human beings. They did it to thousands of thousands of thousands of people. And it's just totally amazing. And if you look at their names, because the water is so scarce, they have names like Ati, which means water. So your, your name is water. Your water. And the other guys, some of them is owner of water. Atahua. Owner of water. Canenio, or something like that, is the birth of water. Seneca, I've seen the name Seneca. There are lots of Seneca casinos in New England. It means spring of water. That's how people name their, 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 uh, the people. And if you look at our Bible, it's pretty much the same. It's the meaning that mattered. Abraham Father of many. Adam, the meaning of Adam is simply man. That makes sense. I guess God named Adam, Adam, saying, you're the man. I'm not so sure if Eve means woman, but I didn't check it. David means beloved. Deborah, I had no idea, but Deborah means bees. You know, just like talking about bee parables. It, Deborah actually means bee, like a bee, like honey and bee, bee and honey. That's what it means. Elijah, my God is Yahweh. Hannah, favor or grace. Hezekiah, oh, I love this guy because when I was in the hospital six months waiting, you know, for my heart and just believing in God, and I looked at this guy, this king, who went before God and, and fervently praying, God, I got this terminal illness. Heal me. What? heal me and he prayed and prayed and God gave him 15 year, more years to live and that's what I need 15 more years 
God. So his kind means Yahweh strengthens. I needed his strength in order for me to overcome. Isaac means he will laugh, he will rejoice. I guess you knew that name, right? Isaac. Isaiah means Yahweh is salvation. Joseph, he will add. He will add. He says, Joseph has the ability, I suppose, lead and add Moses. It's very important. Remember this. If you forget everything else that I mentioned so far, remember this. Moses, the meaning of Moses is to deliver. Sarah, lady, princess, noble woman, Solomon, peace. That rich man ever known to mankind, his mean, his peace. If you want to be a rich, rich man, rich woman, try to peace. Try to be at peace with everybody around you. That's how you become, hopefully, into their prosperity. Timothy, that's my name, right? Honoring God. That's what he means. Now, Let's go to New Testament. How about Jesus? Jesus was not known as the honorable Jesus. He was simply known as Jesus, often referred as teacher, rabbi. The closest title that he came with, that we've been referring to him, is the Son Jesus. That makes a lot of sense, right? The reverend, the, the, the honorable, the Son, that's capital Son, the Son Jesus. That really makes sense to me. And the Bible clearly refers to him as the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the wonderful Counselor. That should be not just a description. That should be his name, the title. And yet when God was asked, how should we call you? What should I say to my people? Moses asking what what God is, and God simply responded. He didn't say, I am reverent. I'm not. He didn't say, I'm honorable. Uh, he didn't say, I'm almighty. He said, I am who I am. <clears throat> Other v- translation says, I am that I am. When you first read this Bible verse, this phrase, huh? it's like, I am that I am. It's like confusing. It's like, it's hard to translate or, or say something what that really means. Now, God didn't define it. But you know what he did? When he said, I am that I am, throughout the entire Old Testament, in describing who I am is, God was focusing on the coming of Christ Jesus. Isn't that true? It's all his focus. He said, I am that I am. I am who I am. And if the entire Old Testament is he focuses that I am on the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the next chapter, which is the New Testament, comes along. And Jesus says, he, Jesus defines what that I am is. And he describes the title I am in seven ways. That's what we call seven I am statements of Jesus. And we've been studying this. The first, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good gospel. 
And today, I am the resurrection and the life. Next two weeks, I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the true vine. Now, let's look at those seven statements very carefully. Assuming this is your SAT question, if you were asked to extract something, extract something that is common denominator of that seven statements, what is that seven statement leading to or pointing out? You can see it's very clear. It's leading and pointing to life, the eternal life. That God's intent through I am, the I am, that's a title in I am, is trying to bring us back to him. That we need to go back to that I am. How is he going to take us back to him? How is he going to lead and point us to that direction? He does that. As a deliverer. God is deliverer. He is saying, I am the deliverer. I'm the bread of life. Man shall not live on bread alone, but live with every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Meaning that he will deliver us not only with the manna, as was in Moses, but with the word of God. I am the light of the world. He will deliver with a direction that if we follow him, we will not walk, walk in darkness, but have the light of life. During the time of Moses, God guided them with pillar of fire that led to life. Our church, when we were constructing this building, designing this building, we said we need the light. So we have two pillars of light over there. It's a little dim to that, but sometimes we make it a little bright to point it out. There is the pillar of fire, the light that guide us to that eternal life. I'm the gate. Deliver us to the Doors of the truth deliver us to the door of salvation and the door of the eternal life. I'm the good shepherd, that means Jesus, but deliver us from our sins, the shepherd leading us with humility and ultimately sacrificing for the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life that he will die for our sake, and so that we can live again, will deliver us from the death and give us new life. I'm the way and the truth and the life that no one comes to Father but through me. In other words, the I am, the title, the I am, declares that he is the deliverer. I am the true vine, deliver us into his family. Jesus' focus, using this, these seven I am statements, 
is on deliverance. I will deliver you. God in Old Testament is, I will deliver you. And God uses Moses to demonstrate, I will deliver you, the Israelites, from bondage to new life, new promised land. But Jesus comes along, not only the Israelites, the entire human, entire people, entire my children, I will deliver all of you to new life, to that eternal life. Now, it gets a little interesting because when God responded, I am that I am, who was he responding that to? It was Moses. Moses is the man who asked God, who are you? And God says, I am that I am. What was the meaning of Moses? The name Moses? Deliverer, guys, pay attention, and I told you that. The meaning of Moses is to deliver. So what did Moses do? He delivered Israelites to the promised land. Then what did Jesus do? He came to deliver us from the sinful ways to that eternal life. The title, The I Am, means that Jesus is the deliverer. And today, the fifth topic on I Am statement, he says it all. I am the resurrection and the life. Through this resurrection, I will deliver you and will give you Life. How about that, huh? John 11. So let's go to our text for today. John 11, 25, 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. Jesus is saying to Martha. I'll get to that a little later. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Verse 26. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now I'm asking you the question. Do you believe this? Here's the account. Nazareth died. He was a good friend to Jesus. Do you know the shortest Bible verse do you know what's the shortest Bible verse? Jesus wept. Do you know when he wept? When Nazareth died. As a good friend. And when Jesus heard that Nazareth was sick before he died, we were sick. For some reason, Jesus did not hurry to go see him, to rescue him. So his disciples are saying, yo, Jesus. <laughs> hey, Jesus. This, this is a new millennials. That's how they talk, right? We tend to say the reverend gains. We don't say reverend. We just say, yo, David. <laughs> yo, David. You know? Aren't you supposed to be going out to see Nazareth? He's sick. Let's go and do something so he doesn't get too sick or die. And Jesus simply says, I'm not going to. 
because it's all is for God's glory, that God's glory may be glorified. And the disciples were confused. I mean, this is your best friend. He's sick. Go, go visit him. But he says, no, no, no. It's for God's glory. Meaning that Nazareth's sickness were ultimately for God's glory, and people didn't get that. And that is why we apply this concept to us in our lives. We say, how can this be when things go bad? When you're asking yourselves, why me? Why is this happening to me? The lesson here is God is saying that you can turn this situation for God's glory. There is purpose as to why you're going through some tough times and challenging times. It goes on a little bit, and Jesus tells his disciple that Nazareth was in sleep. But what Jesus really meant was that Nazareth actually died. So when they together arrived where Nazareth was, he was already dead for four days. And people were already there to comfort Nazareth's sisters, Martha and Mary. Martha rushed out to greet Jesus and said to Jesus, If you hadn't been here, my brother would have not died. Is that stuff that we do, right? If you came to me, you know, hey, brother, if you came to me early, hey, sister, if you came to early, I will not be in this mess. She was kind of in that moment, but not so sure. But the next sentence just amazed you. That's kind of faith she had. We would say, like, one past, only if you came, my, 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 my mom might, might be still alive. Only if you came early, you know. And somehow that turns into resentment. But God, all for what? God's glory. In verse 22, let me read this. And, 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 and she continues, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. So if you look at verse 21, um, the Lord, Martha, said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. What a faith in Jesus she had. This was even before Jesus was kind of resurrected. We know all these facts and history. But even prior to Jesus being resurrected or died or resurrected, she had this kind of faith. To me, this statement that God will give you whatever you ask is completely and totally remarkable. This situation to me is very similar to when Jesus turned the water into wine. Remember? When wine ran out in the wedding in Cana? And Jesus didn't want to do anything with it. And Jesus' mother simply 
said to the servants, do as you are told. So Jesus had to do something. Martha is saying the same thing. Yes, my brother died. Yes, the wine ran out. But even so, she looked at Jesus and said, God can do anything. This should be our attitude. This should be our faith. Our faith is revealed the times of crisis. She did. In verse 23, Jesus said to her, in response, your brother will rise again. It's very similar to when Mary, the, the, at the wedding when the wine ran out and Jesus, uh, and, and, and Jesus' mother told the servant, do as you were told. And Jesus said, fill the jars with water. And same thing here. And Jesus saying, in response to that, Jesus saying, your brother would rise again. Now she believed in that. But she believed a little bit differently the way Jesus meant. So if you look at verse 24, Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. She thought it would be like at the end of the earth. Later, later, whenever that happens, that's when he's going to be resurrected. And Jesus saying, no, it's going to happen now. How about that? It's just going to happen now. In verse 25, this is when Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. That's what happened to Lazarus. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is like water becoming wine turning into life. Remember that illustration I mentioned a couple months ago about this particular story, the wine, and some poet in, I forget, it was the United Kingdom or England or, or uh, German, I'm not so sure. Uh, uh, he was taking the exam and, uh, about this particular uh, passage, and he was supposed to write several-page essays, and this poet is sitting there for one hour, won't write anything. And teacher knew if he doesn't write anything, he's going to fail this course. So teacher went up to him, aren't you going to do something? You've got to start writing. Your friends are pretty much done here. They've got a two, three-page essay all written up. You've got nothing. It's blank. It's all, oh, it's that time. So he gets up. He writes. You remember what he wrote? The water meets its master and rushed. The water, the clear water, turned into wine, meaning it became life again. It brushed, it turned into life. And he got A, I think, got the best grade for that simple sentence instead of having all the essays. Verse 27, yes, Lord, she told him, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come 
into the world. The question for you is this. The question for you is not about Martha's attitude, Martha's faith. The question for you is, do you really believe this for yourself? Not about believing the fact that's in the Bible. That's like simple exam question. Oh, yeah, I read it. Jesus did die. He was resurrected and all that stuff. That's something we should all know. It's just in the book. But do you believe for your life? For your life? For our life? Jesus is showing to Martha what will happen to her brother. The same is going to happen to him. Saying that I will be raised from the dead. And if you believe this, I will show you and your brother to rise from dead also. We can't always expect our loved ones who are sick bad to, or those who are our loved ones or friends who actually died, expect them to rise from the dead. That's not really the intent of this. The intent here is to, Jesus is trying to tell us, I am the resurrection. You are whatever challenges that you are. I can help you. I can save you. I will do whatever it takes to glorify God's name. The application really is we need to believe in God again. I know you, we all believed in God one time. But you need to believe in God again. Not just believing in Jesus was that Christ, our Lord, but beyond that, can you apply that to your life today? Do you believe that God can restore you again, that he can lift you again, that he could raise you up again from any challenges that you are facing today? The takeaway is this. Yes, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. When God said, when Jesus said, I am, as it relates to Jesus himself, it's all about what it means to us, you and I, today. We must have a conviction that we can live again and again. That's what Jesus does. You fall, he'll pick you up. You fall again, he'll pick you up again. That's a resurrection, guys. He knows that we can never be perfect. Even though we love our Lord Jesus so much, because we are sinful in nature, we have many stuff in us that never seem to go away. Things like pride, the desire of the things that are not godly, the habits, the stubbornness, and self-righteousness. It's all in us. It's in our DNA. 
That's why we need to constantly apply to ourselves and pray God and just just continue to dwell in him. Because these are the things, these are the seed, the bad seeds that's destroying us. And that's why we need to continue to believe in knowing that we could be resurrected again and again and again in our daily lives. And when you're asking yourself, like, why me? Why is this happening to me? Why am I in this predicament? Believe once again. Believe once again. He is the resurrection and the life. Jesus can resurrect you again, again, and give you new life again, again. And he can give you that music to your life once again. But you must be able to say, I believe. Not only the fact that Jesus died for us, you must believe what the fact that he died for us, he could do that. You, could, you can experience that in your life as well. When Jesus says, I am statement, what is really saying is, I am the title. The I am is all you need and will ever need. And when I was in the hospital, first time 22 years ago, when this great new heart appeared that had a chance to live again, I thank God. We could, I could have stopped right there. I could have stopped right there and received that heart. Not even worry about the next door people. I could have come out of the hospital, still praised God for what he has done. Yes, this is all for God's glory. But reflecting the moment, I never doubted that I would die if I give up this heart to the young girl next door. Even though I waited five months and she was only there for two days. I believed in the divine power of God. And he did. And he gave us double four, triple the blessings. Demonstrate what glory of God really looks like. But if you doubt... we can begin to sink. That's what happened to Peter. When he was confident, oh, you, Jesus, you're there. Take me with you. And he was able to walk on the water. The moment the storm came, storm can come to our lives anytime. The moment you walk, you feel pumped up right now, you're ready to walk out, you get a telephone call, you go, oh my God, it's going to happen. It can happen to you. Your doubt will come, come to you. The storm can come, just like what happened to Peter on the lake. When you are in doubt, you can begin to sink. But if you can say, I believe in the divine power of God, that this is all for his glory, God will deliver you from that moment as well. 
Believe once again in Jesus. Believe that Jesus is our deliverer. And if you not yet have received him, today is the day they can say to your heart, I believe now he is the Christ, the son, the son, the title, the son of God who came to us to deliver us. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much. You are 